What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast. This is episode 64, uh, and I'm recording with familiar voice, face, whatever. Uh, it's uh, EODC from the first fire in the hole. Uh, she probably recognized the title. This is just Rev2. Uh, getting back on with EODC, talking about uh, a bunch of different stuff, a lot of leadership f- development focus, chief season stuff this time around. Uh, first time, if you're interested, we did a bunch of... Uh, he went through like the EOD community, like as from like cradle to grave, as far as like joining and wanting to be an EOD tech and then the whole training pipeline and, and all the things that those guys do leading up to and the qualifications and the career progression and et cetera. So if that's what you're looking for, go back to the first uh, fire in the whole episode and uh, check that out. But this time around much more leadership focus. Uh, it's always fun to talk to Nick and uh, uh, enjoy. <laughs> Well, welcome back, man. I got to delete that, but uh, yeah, no, welcome back, man. I'm, I'm pumped. Like I, we've, cause we, we did a second one kind of, you were on one of the goats after dark. Um, yes. But yeah, no, it's been a hot minute. We've been like exchanging messages, but yeah, I'm episode, psyched to talk to you. Episode 39 was the first yeah. time. Go check it out, kids. I said something, I did the intro outro before we even started uh, okay. and I couldn't remember the episode number. So it's good that you did. There you go, being prepared again. We're we're here to talk about what I dismounted on on my first time on, which was talking about initiation and yeah. talking about some of the ways we could make it better. Some of the ways that are just deficiencies, but maybe we don't have an answer to fix it yet. So we're just going to kind of point at it and say, "Hey, this sucks. Maybe we need yeah. to change this." <laughs> um, can't I can't come up with every answer to solve every right. ill in the Navy, but. I can at least address some of the problems that I've seen. Yeah. And we, I mentioned the zoom call that I was on and I won't get into the details of like what it was about exactly, but we were discussing some of this stuff and uh, it, it came up that it was kind of like, as we were discussing, we were trying to, we were working through and brainstorming like a focus for the project that we're working on. Um, like the exact direction and like, thesis statement or whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, like to, to start with and then go forward, creating an outline and everything else. And it felt like, like it, it felt like everybody wanted like facts to support like the arguments and all. And it's like, I feel like there's a lot of value in just having the conversation, like the, the waxing philosophical and just going back and forth about like how I feel about a thing and then working the stuff out as you go is like, I, I, there's a lot of value in doing the research as well. Like I'm a big preparer and researcher when I'm approaching a a topic or a point, like I want to read all the source documents and I want to highlight things and take notes and digest all that data. But there's a ton of value in just having the conversation, right? Like, and, and like you said, like we're going to point at a thing and say, you know, Hey, we could probably do this better. Does that mean I know what better is yet? No, not yet. I'm working on it. But like I, I, having the conversation, a lot of times I find myself like, stumbling upon or fleshing out like a solution or or at least the beginnings of or a direction to head in at because i'm having that conversation so like i think yeah i could i could definitely be wrong on this and i you know i haven't spent a ton of time in the navy but i don't know of a rating that is like idea man third class or you know like where your (laughs) job is literally to sit around and come up with ideas um right i think it's just sort of a part of being allowed a little more freedom and we can kind of look back and address what we're look what we're actually looking around and kind of self-assess. Um, yeah. So the one, the first piece was 
the tradition of change, CPO initiation, CPO 365. Um, it was a document, research document that was in 2015 was directed by the MIGPON to the Navy History and Heritage Command. Um, Master Chief James Lucy or Lucci, I don't know. I believe it's Lucci, but I right, don't quote we'll, me on that. We'll go with Lucci. Um, <laughs> and it's it's a magnum opus. I mean, it's yeah. like we were saying earlier, I think it's about 109 pages. Granted, it's got a lot of pictures, but the pictures are good. And they're important <laughs> to be there because you could describe initiation until you see a photo of some of the mm-hmm. jack that occurred. Um, <laughs> or also how non jack was early in yeah. the early days in the really really early days right um i think that's it's important to have those those photos on one page you know left and right of each other and to see the evolution of how we went through this um rising action climax and then resolution of the process so what i took away from that document was that initiation just kind of came out of thin air pretty much and they're really you know, it was just from a, a perceived deficiency of new chief petty officers coming into the mess and that the senior uh, of the chiefs that were there were saying, hey, we need to have a form, a semi-informal process here to welcome these new chiefs into the mess and to also teach them that their role has now changed. Right. Which I think every first class petty officer that sees their name on the advancement message says, Okay, yeah, I understand now that my role's changed. <laughs> I don't think yeah. any any first class that puts on khakis is saying, "Oh, I could just be the same exact person I was uh, last week." Just yeah. like they weren't the same person when they put on third class, the same as second and first and they've it I don't know why we treat uh our first classes like they they won't understand fully that they're advancing in rank and authority, but yeah. we have to now have this like dedicated 6-week process. Where we where we pull all these E sixes and yeah. chiefs, senior chiefs, master chiefs out of their work centers, and the Navy yep. comes to a, <laughs> a reduced amount of efficiency. Somehow, the Navy still continues to run without its senior leadership. So, we should also take that on board as well. Right, the good and the bad of it is like the it's a really great thing and could be could be reflective of our our leadership that somehow the wheels don't fall off the wagon while we're off doing what we're doing and. Uh, uh, theoretically in accordance with all the MCPON guidance that comes out every year, the mission comes first and these things should not be taking away from, et cetera. But a lot of times it inevitably does. Um, I, I, as far as the tradition of change is one of the, like I, I was telling you before we clicked record, like I, I print shop and spiralize and issue that to select ease and like thou shalt read this and we will discuss it because I think it's so important uh, to understand where, it all really came from because I like I grew up hearing all the stuff from Goat Locker about like the, f- the the pretty flowery history of the charge book and like how, you know, like the it, it was this noble document that came that people carried around with them and uh, compiled wisdom and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, okay, well, why'd they call it a charge book? And then you read the the tradition of change and then you find out why it's really called the charge book. And uh, it, I'll link all that in the description for the episode so people can find this document and read it. And I highly encourage everyone to ch- to check it out. There's a lot of incredible information in it. But um, yeah, I think I think what would blow a lot of people away is that the goatlocker.org or com, I forget what it is. It's anyway, I believe it's org. Yeah. 
it's there's two there's two sections of it. When I when I picked up Chief, I had to part of my PQS was to register on Goat Locker and like introduce mm. myself because there's a, like yeah. a chat room functionality of the site. And then the other side of the site is a bunch of reference material that is open to anybody can go on there and like look at every last little piece of information that's on that website. So if I'm going to like dispel the rumor number one, uh, there's secret stuff in the chief season. There is like zero next to zero secret, anything, everything is yeah. open source. You can find it. It's searchable. It's cataloged. It's all aggregated on this website that anybody mm-hmm. can get onto. The yeah. only and other I, thing that you can't see is the chat side because you have to get, uh, you have to get approved by the by the admins, and that's it. Right. They're just they're just going to check to see if your name was on the message. If it is, then, you, then your account gets approved. Yeah, and they. Uh, I always was told like, oh, they shut it down during the chief season, and also I'm like, I've never seen it shut down. It's I, never like, been shut down. I was like, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's real. But and then um, beyond that, the 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 chat room function side of it is like mm-hmm. full of the most, and this is my opinion, <laughs> full of the most like right wing guys yeah. that are. They just spat, they spew a lot of uh, far right ideals. They don't allow room for any discourse, and then mm-hmm. it's it's just their like virtual VFW that they just get to sit and talk yeah. about. Oh my my kid just went off to college, and this. And yeah. I've I've rarely seen anything of significance in the Navy being discussed on that board. It, it's for a bunch of retirees, and maybe maybe it's just because that's what not people are just using it for, but. In my opinion, it's not what it was intended for. Yeah. And I, it's a weird, like, cultural thing, too. Cause again, like, we were the project I was talking about, the Zoom call, blah, blah, It's, it's in the vein of us talking about, uh, the distrust between junior listed, boardroom, everyone basically, and chiefs. And, we're talking about like the culture of the mess. Like, is there a Navy wide mess culture? You know, like if there is, what is it? And is it good? And then is there a, like, what are the subcultures? How are they different across the different warfare communities and all that? And it's like, it's when you're just having like four people in a room trying to have that type of a conversation, it, you, you immediately start to see how difficult it is to have that type of a discourse. Cause it's like, there's a lot of, a lot of chiefs will get f- defensive of the mess. It's because there's like an emotional attachment to it. And I'm a member of it. And I'm a big fan of being a chief, right? It's like, it is, it is what it is. I think you and I and some others are kind of like weird in that we're completely willing to and accepting of criticizing the mess as an organization because we want it to be better for the same reasons that other people fiercely defend it. It's like you want to have that conversation. I want I want to be better. I want to be the best possible chief I can be. I want the mess to be the best possible version of it that it possibly can be so that we can take care of sailors because that's our only job. Yeah, I think so our big the big part that the Navy takes on to itself is we we call this like the chief petty officer's mess. The Air Force has a similar situation where they have their first sergeants. So they they like they were a diamond in their rocker. They're the senior enlisted of their particular flight squadron, whatever, insert Air Force term here, um, where like when I was in Kuwait, they had diamonds on the rock. Like they had their own club that you could only go to if you were invited or if you were a, you were a first sergeant, right? So similar to a chief's mess, you can only go in the chief's mess if you're a inducted chief petty officer or if you're invited or we allow other services senior enlisted to go. 
into the mess. Like I've never seen one get kicked out. Um, I've seen NCO clubs and this is like international, right? That they just change the bar to which you're allowed to be entered into this, this club. Mm. But at the end of the day, you go into there and it's just a freaking bar like it, or, or it's, or it's just a little clubhouse where people can sit and they can vent about the day's labors or they can, it's like the one spot they could break down the, the barrier of not being able to discuss problems within the chain of command to their crew because then they would be undermining the chain of command. Right, right. They need a space where it's not, uh, there's probably a better way to say it, but you could complain openly and it not yeah. be perceived as you're just a well, whiner. Yeah, like you, you can be human and like be vulnerable and be like flawed and just like say things that you're not supposed to like, you know what I mean? Like, cause you're always in this position of being watched by the juniors and, and seniors and like being evaluated it's, almost constantly. And it's like, I can just let my guard it's down. real. I mean, you have yeah. people that you ask any sailor that has a young child, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. they, it's like, you could tell, you could talk to them all day long about good things, good things, good things. And then the minute you like stub your toe and you let an yeah. effort fly, <laughs> that's the word that kid will like repeat, right? Because it's yeah. never the good stuff. <laughs> well, where did I hear that? Oh, daddy said it. And you're like, oh, yeah. you narc. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. But your yeah. junior sailors, they're not, they're not like a little kid, but they, they do pick up on the things. Like if you are constantly sitting there and you're bad mouthing your division officer or you're bad mouthing the CEO, you're not taking ownership of a decision that was made like, Hey guys, we got to do this. Hey, it's not coming from me. This is coming from the skipper. And it's like, well, you just <laughs> way to put it right all into the old man. Like that was, yeah. that's real. That's good. That's good teamwork. But you do need a spot. I mean, we're all humans at the end of the day. Yeah. So you do need a spot where you can talk with like minds, people of equal station and maybe get to an answer or at least an explanation in your head. Cause I, I found it's a lot easier to explain to my guys what's going on when I know what's going on. Right. <laughs> I don't just make it up. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it, there's times where I need to like work it out too and like make it make sense. And I, to be able to have those conversations, I need somewhere to do it where I'm not in front of junior sailors. But yeah, that I, part I, of it, I have zero issues with. Yeah. You know, the majority like, of the time it, it's, it's, it's the mess going, Hey CMC, this policy is screwed up. Like it affects it affects 30% of my crew because no one ever thought about asking these guys about this duty watch rotation or this, this particular restriction now makes it so that this person can't use the child development center for their kid. And this is the only source of daycare they can afford. And then you, you can see like the wheels in the CMC's head being like, ah, damn it. (laughs) Like, you know, welfare of the crew. Like I totally blew that one. Okay. Well, how do I fix this? You know, but without that apparatus, that would you would never be able to communicate that yeah and it and that that it, like and when we talk i have these conversations that's the thing where i'm like of course we need a place to close the door and do those things like of course we do and i have zero problems with with that as a concept and i don't think anybody else should either because a lot of times and i from this is all being relayed to me secondhand i'm not on surf ships i don't know but like a lot of times the formally or informally there's a space where sailors can do that as well. Officers obviously have a space where they can do that as well. So it's not yeah, like I mean, it's exclusive the, the, to chiefs. The, the smoke deck. That's yeah. like the easiest, that's a, a perfect analog for everyone that's wondering what the mess is for. Yeah. Think about all the complaining and, you know, getting, venting the day's frustration off of yourself 
at the smoke pit, it's exactly what the Chiefs are doing. Right. <laughs> but it's imp- it's important to make a distinction, and this is something I a lot of times I forget to do because submarines, because it's like we we say mess, and like a lot of times when you say that it means like a, a the dining the separate yeah, dining it, area. It doesn't need whatever. to be like a bullseye compartment that yeah. Know, there's a cipher lock on the outside. It could be literally anywhere. Right. It's just a it's just a term. But to to I think a larger population in the Navy, when they hear mess, it's like, yeah, we have like a lounge area or whatever where we go close the door and do certain things. But there's also like a mess where it's like they go eat and they have their own place to eat. And then, yeah, I mean, the, the you, actual like, yeah, etymology of the term, the mess, like, yes, yeah. it's physically where they would provide messing go, services. <laughs> yeah. And the, but then you go further. So I'm saying like on a surface ship, they have like a, a mess, like a, a cheese mess where they go and do like what we just described. And then they have a mess where they go eat together exclusively with the door closed, separate from the E6 and below. And then you have uh, your own birthing and then you have your own parking and then you have it. So it's, Oh, it don't becomes, get me started on the parking. Yeah, it, well, me either. It, it becomes this. Uh, <sighs> it becomes this thing where it's like we're creating all this privilege for this exclusive class of of leaders. That it there's all these artificially created boundaries, and it's like boundaries that one I don't think need to exist or should exist because I don't think the. the any of the those types of things are merited or 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 needed or whatever like i just i think it's a good parking uh, spot show up early like i I don't (laughs) yeah going to like going to like the topics of your zoom meeting um not to like get into it but the the warfare communities do strip away or add what is required in their in their opinion to enforce those types of uh reward you know status type rewards so like in the expeditionary community or the uh, special warfare community, we don't get a separate birthing because you're right. a chief. You're sleeping right. with, with in the same tent or, you know, in the same compound. Um, maybe, maybe the camp that you're on will, will segregate based off of rank. But in the, I've really rarely seen there be any type of division between that and the, and the, the, the lower, lower ranking people. Where right. And I, I, I think as a result, you know, on like an aircraft carrier. Yeah. Even the E6s yeah. had their own mess on the aircraft yeah, carrier. Yeah. Yeah. So where <laughs> everyone wants to immediately dog on the, on the chiefs and don't get me wrong, it's a juicy target and it's very easy to complain. I, yeah, about. I get it. I but get it. there is a strata of division amongst all ranks and it's based deeply in the way the Navy organizes from its historical foundings. Right. And there, there is there is a actual hierarchical need to separate people on board naval vessels, and it's existed for as long as navies have existed. Right, and and I feel like I I agree with what you're saying that there is a need for that to a certain degree, but I think there's a functional need, and then yeah. there's this there's this like extra stuff we've piled on top that is all this privilege crap that everybody has a problem with. I don't think if the only thing that existed was the ne- the necessary boundaries to maintain good order and discipline, I don't like, I don't think you'd be hearing the same things. I don't think we would experience the same type of vitriol and lack of trust, but we're in a place where there's so much of that crap where it's like, cause I, my, uh, my boss right now, my immediate like officer, 
supervisor is um i because i spend more time supervising him god bless his heart but um the he's got aircraft carrier experience so he's a submariner supply officer and then he was on an aircraft carrier because that's how supply officer career progression works so he was telling me he's like as soon as that aircraft carrier would tie up wherever it went off would come sailors with armfuls of these signs where they just take over a parking lot and every single person that thinks they're important gets a parking spot and now junior yeah. shows have nowhere to park and so i'm just like it's not even like uh, uh the base or like there's some kind of policy in place it's like no they're just doing it because they feel entitled to this privilege yeah. that's no, the I've, stuff that i'm like i've been makes to me turn green man yeah i've, I've seen the uh it's the disgusting. overcrowded carrier parking lot and then you look across the street Obviously, the closer to the pier parking lot, right. that's completely almost next to empty. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you're like, damn, that looks really convenient. And then you roll in there yeah. and yeah, it's all these old blue and gold signs. Now, granted, where I'm my my function now as a chief, I'm like, yeah, pull in there, boys. Let's see if anyone gives us some freaking heat. I dare them. Yeah. You know, I want to I want to yeah. see yep. this. I want to yep. see because it's <laughs> never in my in my experience, it's never been a chief that ran out there. It's always some person that they've shanghaied into enforcing this imaginary parking lot yeah that doesn't exist in reality it's just something right. like you said the the locust swarm of signs that does an ad hoc reservation of this of this parking lot yeah. and it's completely artificial does not need to happen and i agree with you if you want you want a great parking space show up early yeah you know yeah. or that, the fact that the duty rotation will swap and then there will be spaces available for you yeah and somehow like the entire submarine force like doesn't have reserve parking for anybody except for the triad and like the world keeps spinning and nothing yeah and i i would make the statement and I, you back me up or tell me i'm wrong the submarine service has more pride than the surface navy does and has more unity and cohesion across all ranks of the force than the surface yeah. fleet does a hundred percent and but then i'd go further to say that like we probably lag behind communities like yours and naval special warfare because i don't know you guys i have probably stripped a lot more of that away and and I, you, well, you know i don't had, know but we had it, a we had an interesting question proposed at a leadership course that I went to in our community's leadership, EOD leadership continuum. And they had the Admiral on and he asked us over the phone, you know, do you, do you identify yourselves as chiefs or as EOD technicians? And, uh, we're all like, uh, no, EOD technicians. Yeah. (laughs) And, and then he, he went, he went a step further. He said, okay, do you, do you view yourself as an EOD technician or as a sailor? And his, his whole crux of this argument was he want, he wants to bring the NACC together. So he doesn't want to have these, these kind of different uh, levels within, within his community. He wants, he wants the entire warfare community. Like if his, his uh, example was, if I saw some CBs getting beaten up in a bar, would we jump in to help them? Or would we say, ah, those are CBs. They're not EOD techs. I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. given, I, the, given the situation, they're a sailor. It, it could have been yeah, army guys. Yeah. So we probably would have hopped in there. It wouldn't have mattered. Right. Um, right. But in the Admiral's eyes, he wanted to have an idea of where we are. What's the pulse of the force? Yeah. And I mean, I, I have a lot of rating pride because it's the job that I wanted to do. Uh, I think a lot of it has more to do. I mean, the rating badge could be literally anything. I have more in my, my warfare pin and in the people I work with. Those are the yeah. things I'm like the most into. Yeah, I would say 
I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question, but because it's like, I feel like I like because you're being forced just by virtue of the question structure to pick one thing. Of course. Um, yeah, and that's it's and, kind of what he's getting at. It's a yeah, and point. I, right. And I understand. Yeah, I understand that piece. And that's why he was asking it that way. But I, I also look at it like I feel like it's more nuanced than me. Like, is, do I identify more? I, like, I don't as what? Like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like. I've always approached it as a sailor first because I have to, because I think to be a good chief, I have to look at it like sailors first. Like it's, and I mean that in every way that you could interpret it, but it's like, uh, like surface sailor, like NSW guy, freaking reservists contact me all the time. It's like, I don't care, man. I'm going to go, even people that are out of the Navy, I'm going to go out of my way to help because it's like, you're all, we're all cut from the same cloth in that regard. But then, yeah, you have those, those cultural separations as you go where it's like, okay, now I'm sep- I'm segregated in a way from the, all the other sailors in that I'm, I'm a submariner and that I'm a CS and that, and I take a lot of pride in all those things. But when I got to be forced, it's like almost like I'm going to go up the flow chart to the top and that's where I'm going to start. Like I identify the most with being a sailor, like that's step one. And then, yeah, going, those are like the, coming down those, from there, it's like those uh, are the points of uh, points of unity, right? So if you look at yeah. look at the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps is a great example that everyone in the Marine Corps identifies with being a Marine first, right? God, all, all I of really them. wish, yeah, I really um, wish that piece of their culture was part of like all the, the armed services. The like, Navy, I, the Navy tries to do their version with like battle stations. <laughs> yeah, I and know it just doesn't if work. I same. had. If I could record the amount of eye rolling that happened when my division, my, my 800 division were handed our Navy ball caps and they played a, what was that? Proud to be an American. Yeah. Played. Yeah. And we were, we were just, oh my God. Like I remember it, it, <laughs> it, it hit with me back then. Um, like it, it definitely meant something like the moment was emotional in a, in a, a little like, and it was like, it meant something to me, but I never felt like this like I, I feel like I, for, I don't and I don't know how they do it I need to talk to a marine about this but they somehow it's like they show up and immediately start programming them to like they that EGA is the target man like they the yeah. whole time they're like I just I, getting I just, after that EGA and it's like I just don't think a ball cap I couldn't yeah, tell you where that ball cap is, but yeah. I, I have Marine friends that can, they tell me where their, their original yeah. EGA it's for, like their, getting for your their anchors. Bravos is. Yeah. yeah. It's like getting your anchors, man. Like I've, I have, uh, well, I think I've, I've since given them away. I can't remember, but, but there, um, there you have I'm it. I'm pretty right? sure. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I gave them away, but it was something that I saved for a special moment. I, I want to say, I just gave them to the last LPO I had, but I have to go check. It's a perfect example. You have yeah. that, but you may, you had that moment. Mm-hmm. at eight nine years in your career not at the yeah. beginning of your career right right and and that's what's so I, I and i don't know what it would look like and how we would do it but man i wish that was a thing like where it was it was there was something built into that process so when they come out the other end it's like they have that like just unshakable pride regardless of how long they did it what they did like what community they're from every single one of them's a marine and it's like you you have that camaraderie the same way as like when i go into a, a place and i find out that somebody's a retired chief and i didn't know going in it just 
there's immediate context and like, like I get excited and I want to talk to them. And I see that in the eyes of like, I, I'll go to the commissary or something in my uniform, especially when I was on an army base. There'd be these retirees that were just using that army commissary because it was the closest one to where they lived. And they'd see me walking through and I'd have a chief's anchor on and they would light up like a freaking Christmas tree and get so excited to see a chief. And they'd be like, what's up, chief? Like, and they want to like sit there and talk to me for 20 minutes. And so in my uh, opinion, it's, it's a shared adversity is the, probably the easiest way you could explain it because there are, there are communities within other branches. Uh, Army airborne is, is a great example because you don't have to be in the infantry to be an airborne qualified right. soldier or like okay. being a ranger, right? Rain, being yeah. a tabbed yeah. ranger, you go to the course. Now you're, you're yeah, a ranger for I the did. rest of your life, right? I did so notice like, that I, with a lot of my friends from the, when I was stationed on that army base, that the people yeah, that so, were rangers, it was just different. It's a great example. I, I went to army airborne school in Fort Benning. Um, mm. I'm now a paratrooper for the rest of my life. And every person I meet that's airborne qualified that went to Benning, we have an immediate connection. Yeah. Because we all went to Benning. It's the same. I'm sure when the Navy had recruit training in Orlando and then they had still had uh, Great Lakes, there were definite like, like even the Marines have it like, oh, you're a Hollywood Marine. Like, oh, you went to, you're out, out California. Oh yeah, because they have or two. Par- yeah. Or Paris Island Marines, right? So yeah. there, there's a division there, but they're still, they still come back to that were Marines. Yeah. And I, what's weird to me too, though, is like that I don't, how do they do there, there's a flavor to their shared adversity because like I, I could I would say that back in 2001, 2002, two, the very beginning of 2002, when I went through RTC, like there was shared adversity there. Like, I, I don't. It's probably different. It has to be. Otherwise, we'd be getting the same result. But it's like, what are they doing differently that we're not that that creates that pride and just like connection that they have because i i've always wished that we created the same kind of thing um coming out of yeah coming out I, of I don't know man. you know and uh uh it's one thing we could talk about was uh the next paper is the one from john hagan who is the eighth, yeah. eighth mcpon so in 1997 he wrote an article in proceedings called honoring tradition so he was a mcpon for five years so you do the math he picked up in 1992 and he was responsible for realigning the Navy's core values to be in line with the Marine Corps that they originally were tradition, integrity, and professionalism. Those were the Navy's core values. And they, his big problem, his regret was that he dropped the tradition and he goes on in his article because he was at the Academy uh, talking to some midshipmen and he, he, he talks about that. He, he loved that opportunity to be able to address the brigade at as many times as he could, because that's the future right. of our, of our future officers. CEOs. Yeah. yeah. Future CEOs, future CNOs, um, future chairman, joint chiefs of staff, stuff like that. And one of the midshipmen asked, how do, how do we tell the difference between a good tradition and a bad tradition? And his immediate reply was, there are no bad traditions. Right. Um, but he knew that, okay, I need to qualify that. And, yeah. um, he said that by their very nature, that naval traditions can only be good that's why they're preserved and they ultimately are classified as traditions. Right. Um, he knew what he was, he knew he was getting at and he acknowledged that some traditions can be perverted or abused and that bad habits can be labeled tradition by the ignorant. So chief's initiation is a tradition crossing the line ceremony is a tradition, but you can, or like going to tail hook in the aviation community was 
a tradition, but it, those all three of those things got perverted over the years and they got abused and people took the power that they had and the trust that was given to them by the people going through those events or attending those conferences and that trust was broken. Yeah. And so we've obviously seen that happen during the season, right? Where it's, we get yeah, shut down. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like a Deadpool of how long will it take for an initiation to get yeah. closed down? What What's yeah. the first Navy times article when initiation <laughs> starts? Who's the first command that gets their season turned off. Right. And it's right. so upsetting that it's within probably the first of two weeks, which yeah. the first week is the CPO Academy. It's the most scripted version. <laughs> it's the, it's supposed to be the most uniform event across the entire Navy, both deployed, CONUS, people on ships, everywhere are supposed to do the exact same foundational leadership course and people right. somehow still manage to get their season canceled. Yeah. And I, I've all... I've often wondered because it like because you just described that it's like uniform and scripted and like I've often wondered like if the whole thing was built off of a master course document and and had very clear and concise training objectives and and like obviously there's always going to be slight variance from command to command and community to community but it's like there shouldn't it should be slight yeah. but then did it's you, like when you when when you went through initiation did you do Marvin Shields. No. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. So CBs, most CBs will do an event called Marvin Shields where he's one of their Medal of Honor recipients. So they honor him by creating an event where they recreate the events of his Medal of Honor uh, right. thing. So yeah. they, they honor, they have that piece of tradition in their community mm -hmm. and they add that into their initiation. Which is great. And I think it's that's, great that the Navy allows the leeway yeah, to do that. Right. For sure. For where sure. in the submarine force, I'm sure you have something that's submarine oriented yeah, or 100%. provides the ability to honor the tradition of the submarine force. Yeah. And, and that part of it, I, I love, and I think is great that that leeway exists, but at the same time, it's like when you're creating a Naval leader, like I'm not building a submarine chief necessarily because like, like I am, but I'm, but I'm kind of not like I, and so I feel like there's gotta be like a at simultaneously existing within each chief. There needs to be like a baseline standard issue, like Navy chief piece. And then there needs to be that specific warfare community and, and, and whatever that organ we were, we were talking about a demand signal this morning about like, um, uh, one of the people on the conversation had done like a no joke docked, doctoral dissertation and i probably just butchered that description but a dissertation for his doctorate um on he was he pulled a bunch of chiefs on what like their community required of their leaders like if you're the end user in that community what do you need out of your chiefs and he said it was like just community to community it was wildly varying yeah and it and so you knowing that right like it's like I have I have this this leader that I'm I'm training to be a chief and all chiefs should be built on the same foundation. But then it needs to be allowed to uh, also be spe specific to that warfare community's needs. Right. So it's like yeah, I it's, need it's, to allow that. It's kind of a to, paradox. Yeah, it is. It's very it's, it's captured. It's captured in the CPO creed where it says that, you know, your duties and responsibility do not appear in print. They cannot be referenced by file name, you know, by name, number, or file, and that they only are preserved as so long as the chief petty officers, you know, 
before you, with you, and after you maintain there's you know the standards mm-hmm. um, or advance advance our position. Um, I'm pro- I'm sure I didn't quote that word for word, but that's the spirit. Pretty of close. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I there's definitely a room for maneuvering between the different communities of what is the expectation and the expectations in my opinion are always driven from the crew and from the wardroom. Uh, the chiefs are our middle um, at the baseline. They are middle management. Okay. That they are the go between of the, the officers above us and the enlisted people uh, by with and through us. So as long as chiefs understand that we're not going to be in command, right. you know, the, the officers are in command. That's interesting that you say that. Like I had a CO when I was checking out, I I was getting a signature on my uh, Cobb card on the PQS. And he said, he's like, we talked a bunch, but at the end, he's like, look, if you don't remember anything else I said, remember this. And he goes like, when you're in that job, this is not a master chief's command tour. Like you're not, you're not in command. Like you're here to assist a commanding officer with their command. Like you're, you're a resource and like, yes, we're going to depend on you. Yes. You're very important to the success of like, blah, blah, blah. But he goes a lot of cobs, not a lot, but like he said, he's seen cobs like kind of run afoul of that concept where it's like, like, look, you don't, you're there to support the, the vision and, and strategic direction of, the the co and whatever mission tasking that that co has to execute and so it's like don't lose sight of that that you're there to support that co it's like this is not your command tour so that when a co makes an unpopular decision or like after incorporating all of your experience and advice decides to go away you're not happy with like you don't get to fight that and go a different direction because like you're unhappy with it it's not your command tour like you need to walk away from that knowing that you're there to support that CEO. And I, at first when he said it, I was kind of like, it kind of like, I was like, uh, I don't know how I feel about what you're saying right now. But then I, I thought about it for a, for a while and processed it. I'm like, no, that's, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm a, a leg in the triad, right? Like I'm holding up one, one end of it, but at the end of the day, like the burden of command falls on the commander, you know, like, and it's, yeah, I mean, the CMC will have that, the cookie on the pocket, right? but it's not, you know, the star and the wreath of command. Right. It's, it's, right. it's wholly different. You're, you are, you are there. I mean, you, you made it to the table, your voice will now right. be heard, but I think, I mean, obviously I'm not a CMC, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did it. I don't know the, the, the trials and tribulations <laughs> of what it actually is day to day, but on the surface of what I've observed having many CMCs, that's what, and, and working with officers of their, what are your expectations, sir? What do you think, um, you would expect from a from a chief petty officer or from from your master chiefs. What would you expect from the chiefs mess? And officers at every level that I've talked to, from from the junior officer level, the mid grade, uh, 04, 05, and then the senior grade, like commodores and captains, and moving on up, it, it all comes back to you know they want that support. Yeah, they, they want they want the support, and they don't want you to browbeat them for no reason to to try right. to dominate them. You're there to assist them in the ability to command and get the mission done. Yeah. And I, I had a moment the other day that like, it was sobering in a way because I had, I have that, this like pre-programmed, like almost like a, like a Napoleon complex in a way of being a, being a cook, right? Like I can, and it's worse in the submarine community than it is in the service community, but it exists everywhere. I think where, um, 
you're kind of viewed as like default less intelligent until you prove yourself otherwise and stuff like that. So I fought against that stereotype for a long time. And uh, I, I mean, I generally win and earn the trust of those people, but it's like I, I'm at a different starting point than everyone else. And so I was uh, I'm at on a flagstaff and there's a lot of like post tour command uh, guys there from submarines. And I had uh, one of the deputies, he's full bird captain. He's commanded a submarine at sea. And he grabs me in the P-Way and he goes, uh, hey, senior, how much experience do you have topside? And I was like, what do you mean? Like uh, topside safety, like line hailing stuff? Uh, and he goes, yeah. And I'm like, well, in what context? Like, are we talking about just like personnel transfers at sea and stuff? He goes, yeah. And I'm like, oh, like a bunch. What's up? What do you need? And he started asking me these questions about like an evolution and could we do it this different way that's not not normal because they're having a material issue with one of the hatches. Like, could we use the other hatch? And and he's like asking me all these questions about operating a submarine at sea, topside safety stuff. Like, could we do it? Is it safe? What are some of the risks that you you see or like some of the some of the ways that we would need to mitigate risk and stuff like that? We had like a 10 minute conversation. And then he's like, all right, thanks, senior. And he walks away. And then I like go down to my office and sit down. And I'm like yeah. sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, it's like, where did, where did that captain go next? You know, what was the yeah, next meeting? Right. That day? Like a full bird captain <laughs> stopped me in the P way and asked for like my opinion on yeah. op, like, well, and so yeah, where do you go next? What phone con or, was he or, on? Or, was off? or yeah. what, or what precipitated those specific, like what, what phone call was he on 10 minutes prior to that? Right. Was someone just blowing smoke up his ass and he didn't, but he wasn't then, equipped with the answers. Yeah. And then like, hold on, let me, let me check myself here. Hey, come here. Yeah. Senior. <laughs> but then he, or, or he need, he was seeking information to make an educated decision or advise somebody on what he thought should happen, like, because there's probably a bunch of other stuff that goes into it that he's already got the data on. And he's going to trust me and my experience to to figure into that calculus and then go make a decision based on what he just talked to me about. And I like it kind of struck me as like, whoa, like <laughs> this dude God. trusts me enough to have that conversation with me and take my experience with the type of like yeah, worth I think that I don't necessarily immediately associate with it. To me, that that seems like a, an officer I'd want to work for, for um, sure. But a, a a piece that I picked up from a podcast I was listening to recently was what's the difference between a professional and an amateur? Hmm. I mean, there's an obvious definition where like professionals yeah, get paid, I'm, amateurs yeah. don't get paid. <laughs> like, and we're we all we all pull a paycheck from the navy. Yeah. So yeah, we're all we're all technically professionals. We're in the profession of arms. But what they were getting at was a profession, a professional will train to the point where they can't get it wrong. An amateur just trains until they get it right. Hmm. Yeah, that's I and like with, that. a, with initiation. It should be like a rededic, like a retraining every year. And it, I feel like I'm not, I don't, I hope to God I'm not alone on this. I feel like I learn more doing it every year as on yeah. the other side of it than I ever did when I was going through initiation. Because yeah. during initiation, you are it's you're seeing everything new for the first time. Right. First time you tie in your shoes, first time you're putting on your pants, first time you're putting on your shirt. It's all brand new to you. Where if you've been wearing khakis for a little while, you realize, okay, the little button flap on the back of the pants, gotta have that done. <laughs> yeah, maybe my brass, so I can just set that up and you know, there you go. Got good gig line. Yeah. Um I've learned I've picked up more. And obviously you can't you can only do initiation once, so yeah, it's it's done and done with, but it's uh, I've seen it with genuines that don't rededicate themselves to initiation every year and they yep. just phone it in. Oh 
yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with you. And I actually, I was talking, I, as I was recording intros and outros for a couple of episodes that I'm going to be editing soon, I, I said something to that effect of, I get so much out of having conversations um, on the podcast with everyone. Like, because I talk to guys like you that are, I mean, you're, you've been around a while, you're a chief. Like, it's, that's, I mean, I talk to chiefs all the time, but. I've learned a ton just from talking to like, like I had that NSW tech that was a first class. I had like Megan Wilcoxon that was like a third class before she got out and started scuttlebutt. Like just a bunch of people, junior, senior, whatever, officers all, all over the place. And NSW it's just tech, like, he told it like it was like, yeah, I, actually, I really I had enjoyed. To listen to his episode like two times just to pick up on everything he was putting down. Cause yeah, holy, like the, the technician lifestyle of actually being over there and supporting them. Mm-hmm. He he nailed just about every piece of gradient, <laughs> like granularity yeah. working with, with NSW. I really enjoyed talking to him. And like and it's that type of dialogue that I don't think happens enough, especially even when I seek it out on the, the submarine to get junior listed to talk to. Like there are there are people that get comfortable enough and trust me enough to really open up and have a, that type of conversation. But there's this disarming aspect to the anonymity of the podcast and stuff that when I get people on, it's like, they're just more willing to, to have that type of a conversation. And so like, I learned so much from it. And so like the season is the same way where it's, it's like you have a ton of conversations and then I, I like, I don't know if I'm assuming everyone else does, but like even like the selectees leave the room and then we have a bunch of other conversations about like, like, how are we going to get this one selectee to snap out of it? And how are we going to direct this other one? And this one gets it, but we need to make sure they learn this other thing. And so, like, we'll have a lot of conversations about, like, the strategy of of developing that selectee and getting them to get the light bulb to turn on or, or whatever and reach some milestone. And so, like, just those conversations, the actual interacting with the selectees, the studying of the material, getting to teach stuff like the the CPO leadership course and, and teaching the creed and all that stuff. And like, yeah, I just, every year it's like a, it's an, there's an education on both sides of it and there should be an education on both sides of it. Yeah. I think the way that I'm trying to reduce the amount of abuse, man, we are really jumping around here, but I'm going to try to like <laughs> uh, reduce the amount of abuse that I'm, that I'm seeing or, or, or at least is perceived yeah. is I, when we do our committees, I want, that genuine to explain the actual purpose of that evolution. Yeah. Yeah. To everybody. Uh, and because like, okay, perfect example. Last year, it were, there were some very clear guidance issued about respecting having this. This needs to come from a place of respect at all yeah. points. The, the selectees will be respected. They will not be mm-hmm. uh, denigrated or abused, you know, and it's, it's the language is, is always used. But I took it on board as like a challenge. Like, okay, yeah. if, this is the, if this is what Smith is putting out, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to stick to. And I know I'm yeah, junior and- in this mess. So let's see what I can, let's see what I can bring up and how pissed off people will be. Because that, that <laughs> reaction will feed to my perception of what this mess is about. So they, they brought up one of their first events, which was the uh, uh, introductions, right? So that they're going to come in, introduce themselves. And the way that they had labeled it was shock and awe. And I said... And what why? does this mean? What and are so we the, the senior chief, Yeah, the senior chief running the season, he explained it. And I said, okay, but I have this guidance right here from Mikpon that says this. So explain, please explain. And I don't want to do this offline. I want to do it right here in front of everybody. Yeah. What does this do? 
what are, what are we achieving what are, with yeah, this? What is the tra- it explicitly says in laying the keel that there will be a clear and concise training objective attached to every single event. Yep. So explain the training because that was something that I got like mind-bendingly frustrated with uh, running a bunch of seasons when I was in Virginia was like, I and I would talk to that master guns all the time that had gone through the season and me and him were the, like, we would both have long faces during events where everybody's screaming for no reason. And I'm just looking at him. He's looking at me and I'm just like, you think what I'm thinking? And yeah, like, it was just so disgusted with the, the shock and awe quote unquote like attitude where it's like we're in a training session and it's just this barking at them for the sake of barking at them. And it's like, what are we accomplishing? Like what's the training objective? And so that was like when I would run the season every year, man, it's like I got, I've got to the point where I had assignment sheets for the chiefs running the event that said like, you're responsible for the following event. This is the training objective. These are the things you're responsible for so that there's no like wiggle room in that. Like this is the point of the event point blank period like that's it there's no like you need to accomplish this training objective and then we'll talk about like how you're going to accomplish it and there might be some like pieces where we're trying to stress them out on purpose and see how they prioritize and execute the task like got it but we're not just going to scream and yell and just face punch for the sake of doing those things and that's what drives me nuts man it's just like it so there's so much of that crap that happens for no damn reason i mean my my two proposed solutions to that was the one we were talking about, you know, should we codify, should we codify this process? Should we actually enshrine it, enable instruction? And should we have a master course document that is beyond just the, the first week CPO Academy? The, the, yeah. What I would say, the true wicket that you are required to do to put on your anchors, regardless of frocking privileges. So the leadership component, the leadership academy component and the PRT. And that's it, right? You could literally say, you know, two finger salute to this whole process. I'm not doing it. And see you later. I don't care about getting a little card for my wallet. And I don't really care yeah. about going in the chief mess. And that person could be deferred frocking from the chain of command because maybe the CMC goes and talks to their CEO and says, hey, this person did not participate in initiation. Withhold frocking privileges. I don't know. I've never seen it happen, but uh, it stories. used to. But now it's it's mandatory that you participate in the season. So you can't. You know, it's yeah. not a thing so then, anymore. Either. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, it's man. We've we've now made this mandatory. How much? What is, what constitutes mandatory? Physically being there and converting oxygen to carbon right. dioxide. So right. you could also just now just say, okay, now you've literally people that are going to go into it saying this is a waste of time are not going to generally have their their opinion changed. Yeah. Well, if if the season's being executed poorly. Yeah, right. And that's what I'm saying with like when I say codified in a master training document and everybody's standardized, blah, blah, blah. Like I don't want a cookie cutter season everywhere. Like like we talked about, right? There's certain things that just wouldn't translate and and thus we would have selectees that aren't interested in doing it. If I if big surface Navy cut cut a document and said, this is what you're doing and delivered it to uh, the EOD community, like you guys would be disillusioned in five seconds and be like, I don't this is garbage. But I, what I would like to see is a master course document that provides the direction of those training objectives, like, and and then allows you to to tailor tailor make that to your community and and the resources you have at hand, and allow you to do things like use the CB Medal of Honor winner event and stuff like that. But it's like I feel like 
what gets lost is the training objective. And I would want it to be an open source document that everybody can look at so that they understand that there are, in fact, training objectives and that what those training objectives are so that a kid can sit there and look at it and be like, oh, okay, now I understand why we're doing this at least. I don't think we'll ever not be in a place where it's it's always it's like anything, man. It's like it's always going to be good, great or terrible based on the quality of the facilitation or instruction or whatever. Like like the people that are putting it on, it's like if you're super invested and passionate about it, like that's going to translate. And I think that that sailor we're talking about is going to care. And and I can say that with some conviction because like everywhere I've ever went where we did like a CPO 365 phase one or sailor 360 or whatever the hell they're calling it this Tuesday. It's, it's been a check in the box, put everybody in a room artificially block off an hour and they convert oxygen to carbon dioxide. Right. That's, (laughs) that's what it was. And everybody hated it and nobody wanted to show up. Um, and I started to do it uh, on my last submarine when I first checked in, we had like on a on a ballistic missile submarine, you have two crews, so you have time where you're in what's called an off-crew administration building, and, and you're you don't have the submarines at sea. You're the other crew. You're you're doing training and quals and proficiency things and planning and logistics. I mean, you could just say you're in the OCAP. Yeah, that's well, not everyone. <laughs> Yeah, so, we were we were in the OCAB, and that's where I was. So I I said I'm like, hey, I want to do this. I want to run a, a at the time it was called Phase One still. So I want to run a Phase One program. Cobb's like pumped. He's like, yeah, do it. It's awesome. So the first uh, lesson that I did was like a history and heritage thing because I'm a big history guy. I love Chief Heritage. And I collect a lot of stuff. Like I'm like I my office or podcast studio or whatever you want to call it looks like a freaking museum. And so I took a lot of the stuff that I have. Like I collect combo covers. I have one from the early 1800s, uh, like the train conductor style hat with an old school yeah, with a button. On. Yeah, I don't have the button yet. That's on my, I have a replica in a case just because it looks cool. But uh, I, I, mean, I that, haven't that actually. Is the, uh, that is the original pin. I haven't actually gotten my hands on that button yet. I've tried a few times, but um, the few times I've found it, it's been obscenely expensive. But so is the Every, combo. Everyone, cover everyone thinks it's at USN that like curves yeah, down the chain. Yeah, yep. Like which not that's the combo cover that I found and I bought that with that style of an anchor on it. But yeah, it's not. It's like a it looks like the button from your yeah, dress blue. It looks blues, like a SDB button. Yeah. yeah, it's like the size of a half dollar. Um, but it's anyway, so yeah, I have a lot of stuff like that. I mean, I got like a service record from the early nineteen hundreds that's like this crazy fold up thing and a green like leather uh uh trifold that's like the size of your hand. And then I've got like, I collect combo cover anchors. I collect uh, like documents, old books, stuff like that. And so like, I took a ton of stuff in, like whatever I could carry in this big crate and set it all up on a table and uh, did like a, a lesson. And I was like handing stuff around and like letting them touch it because it's all my property. So it's not even like I borrowed it and you got to be nice to it. It's like if somebody screws it up, it's I'm not going to be too upset about it. Um, but like they, it blew their mind. Like when they got to see it all, they got to touch it all. We talked about it. They got to ask questions. Uh, I told them things they didn't know. And, and I think something figures in where it's like, yeah, like I'm an instructor. I got an MTS. Like I know what I'm doing, but I'm passionate about it. And you can't fake the investment. You know what I mean? Like you, you're not going to convince them that this stuff is important by just barking at them. Like 
they could tell I genuinely cared about not just the topic, but conveying it to them. And so yeah, it's, it's just the, like it's the, the equivalent of like writing hold for applause underneath <laughs> your speech. But if there's right. no applause, you know, like <laughs> it's can't, the awkward. I can't manufacture yeah. that. That's the that's the actual right. like real thing. Yeah, man. And it was and and then I did another one where I brought an old crusty CMC mentor of mine in that had done three Cobb tours. One of them was that projects platform. And um, and I just kind brought of, kind him of an under, in. underachiever, really. You probably shouldn't have brought him in. Yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> so brought him in to talk to, a, and I had I that one because, like, I guess word had spread from the first couple lessons. I got by the time I got him in a room, I had like fifty first classes in this room, and for it was multiple crews of different submarines because um, I kind of put it out to other boats, and uh, like they were hanging on his every word. They could like when he they were done, everybody was shaking his hand, and like they were just so excited about it. And I'm like, so this, it's not impossible. Like it's it's. 100% doable but I feel like there's yeah, a part I mean, of me like an idealist freaking pie in the sky part of me that thinks there's a way to do it almost where you like send facilitators out to like fleet concentration areas and like maybe I can like be the I can be the, the chief season guy and like help people but then it's like I don't think that would work and yeah, but it's like there's just something there where it's like that one, passion one that and I, stuff needs to be conveyed one part that I took away from that uh, tradition of change was that there was not in like World War II, there was not a single initiation time that chiefs were promoted throughout different parts of the year and that the crew would just grab them and throw them in water. And that was it. You were that was now it, a yeah. chief. <laughs> just congrats. Your CO would be there on the pier and they'd, they'd whip you into the water. And they had, that, they had that funny story about, you know, he says, no man will throw me into a, body of water today yeah and, and the so way it's fine and then the waves the, did the it. waves do it at the pool Pearl Harbor. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny you know um one, one thing i keep on coming back to is this last little bit on the john hagan thing which i'll quote him directly it says when the initiation is done right we ensure a deeper understanding of our traditions our heritage and our values not only in the newest chiefs but in the entire cpo mess these are noble and challenging goals and the chief's mess is achieving them now granted he wrote this in 1997. Yeah. And then the next article that I have is written in 1999 by Chief Robert Lanham. It's the, the title is Ask the Chief. And it's in proceedings. Um, by the way, if you don't have a Naval Institute pres- subscription, I mean, you I don't make any money off of it, but it's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> you should um, get one. It's not, not as expensive as I thought it was going to be. Um, he wrote an article called Ask the Chief, and it was the Enlisted Prize Essay Contest winner that year. And the the part that I came out of his was he breaks down the different uh, disconnections between the chief's mess and the rest of the fleet. And he, he blames, well, he doesn't blame, but he, he cites his causes of it. The division officers, the junior officers, um, the lower enlisted, and then the chiefs themselves. And his last point was the finally some, if not most of the blame rests with us chiefs. He said that, um, Positive leadership, take care of your people, have given way to high visibility political maneuvering designed to land oneself on the next promotion list and that we can't be counted on anymore to give the sanity check uh, that we're afflicted with the bobblehead doll syndrome where, where regardless of what the upper echelon saying, if it's um, has impact on the crew, impact on the equipment, impact emission, uh, they're just going to say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yeah. And like, no ma'am's probably not even in, no, no sir, no ma'am's probably not even in their vocabulary. 
And he says that as a mess, we've checked our backbones at the door and that we've lost our tell it like it is leadership that resulted yeah. in our selection in the first place. And this so, was 99. 99. So Good anyone grief. that says, you know, like, oh my God, this is such a new thing. Sadly, yeah. this is not a new thing. This right. has been a problem I, wow. for a really, really long time. That's uh, interesting. And I bring it up because, you know, you, you joined in 2002. I mean, yeah. I want to think, you know, Chief Lanham was probably still on active duty when you arrived. Um, the Chiefs, when you arrived, what was your opinion of the Chiefs when you first, because that's like, yeah. you walk into Golden 13 at Great Lakes and you see that first RDC. Mm. Some people, that's it sort was, of like a whoa moment, you know? Yeah, it was different um, than, I, like, so it's it's tough to know if if Chiefs were different without having been one. Yeah, um, right. But my my view of them when I was junior enlisted was definitely different than I think it is now as far as and that I think it is for junior enlisted now where like I was still like fear and respect type of of outlook. Um, I didn't understand that like I, I guess I'd. I didn't treat chiefs like they were human beings like I do now either. I was, I mean, they were robots to me. Like they could do no wrong. They were like naval superheroes. It, it changed as I became more senior on my first submarine. Um, But even then it was like, I just got mad because they were making me do stuff I didn't want to do or telling me I couldn't yell at my first class because he was an idiot. Um, But I, 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 I started to notice more flaws, but even then, even back then, I, I think that I just wasn't aware of any issues if there were any. I, I don't think I became aware of them until right at the end as I went to my next shore duty because I had a cob that basically got fired. And um, and then I started, you know, I just started to learn more about it. Um, yeah, I As think I progressed, uh, but yeah, probably I, the first chief I got, I saw get fired. That kind of humanized the chiefs pretty quickly because yeah, I got popped on a DUI, and it was like, well, see you later, CMC. Yeah, and I um, remember I had a really bad, I had that really bad cob, and then that very first shore duty, and I don't remember how far I was into it, but I do, I acutely, like, I'm acutely aware of the memory uh, where they made this chief stand up in front of a. We went to the movie theater in Groton, Connecticut, where my first shore duty was. And they made this cat stand up in front of a couple hundred submariners. I mean, it was a completely full theater and talk about he got a DUI and like how he screwed up and basically made him own it and like um, explain to them like why, like how he arrived at that crappy decision and how stupid it was. And it was like his pen, part of his penance, I guess. So I remembered that too. And I was just like, holy crap. Like, I didn't think chiefs were that stupid. <laughs> like I, it's, and it just kept happening. So I like, I feel like it was probably chiefs back then were probably a lot more similar to what I encounter nowadays than I thought. I just wasn't aware. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. From I not having been in the mess. There's a YouTube video. I think it's like the chiefs and they do like a, it's like mm-hmm. photochrome, like super eight millimeter footage of a Navy ship getting underway. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Cause they have like that, like chicka walka, chicka walka, chicka walka, like, <laughs> like, 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 like really trippy, uh, seventies music. Uh, and, um, they, they try to like profile these different chiefs on this destroyer that's getting underway. I think it's a nuclear destroyer. I think it was one of those, oh, wow. like one of those, like 
kind of weird ones when the Enterprise came out. And um, so they have a OS Master Chief who's like using a sextant on the ship and like, wow. you know, they're trying to like profile that, you know, he he's like teaching the, the junior officers as like a Master Chief. Well, then moving on down further, you know, like I said, it's like in the 70s, they talk about like some ET chief who's only been in for like eight, nine years and that he's like, he's part of the new breed of chief petty officer, you know, like, wow. and it was like, yeah. Okay. So the same exact crap that, you know, people get for picking up chief quote unquote too early or you yeah. know, maybe, maybe excelling at a, at a younger age because they're meeting the Navy's requirements. And then they had the same exact stuff going on back then too. Do, yeah. And do you even think it, I go back and forth about it in my head about like, do you even think it matters? Cause like, I, I guess if we had a, a better system for selection, cause I think there's flaws in it that allow uh, people that are too young in their development, like too advanced and then they're not prepared and they have issues. But like, so like guys like you, like you made it pretty quickly and, but you also seemed like you like not only were did you meet all of the requirements of the EOD community, but it's like you just seemed ready. And there are dudes like you out there where I like I encountered a nuke mechanic chief that made it in like seven years. And in my head, I'm like, that's just too fast. Like, how are you a product of your experience and blah, 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 if you don't have any experience? But this dude just he was amazing and he still is. And he's a buddy of mine. And it's like so there there are obviously going to be exceptions. But at the same time, I look at it like. I just feel like there's a requisite amount of experience required to to succeed in that role because of the the demands and the expectations of a chief petty officer. So it's like, well, how do you feel about a, it in general? Like, I'm, well, I'm curious. The counter-argument, the counter-argument for you, you know, let's say, mm. uh, how, how much power do you think a, a, a seven or eight year lieutenant has, you know, in charge of a, a division? Probably uh, second second tour lieutenant, probably on their third ship. They're a solid gold swoop in. They were probably in charge of twenty five to thirty people on mm-hmm. two different watch rotations. Like, and they have probably three chiefs underneath them with a senior chief, and their job is to run and administer that division. And they've only been in the navy for eight eight years. Yeah. And they, and in certain cases, they're the officer of the deck. They're in charge of safety of the yeah. ship. Right. So, but yeah. Okay, I'm just saying, if we're, if we're if our if our interpretation of what what creates excellence or some sort of uh, to use a Paul Kingsbury a uh, power base of knowledge or you know institutional knowledge or like personal knowledge, um, are you are you are we metering this off of years? Or are, are we doing it off of the experience the person has actually had? Because I can tell you there are people that have been in the Navy for 20 years that don't have the same experiences sure. as someone that is in their first year in the Navy. And I mean right. like life experiences. They could be a yeah. very sheltered 20 years vice someone that maybe did a lot of stuff before they joined the Navy. And now right. here they are. I guess I'm, I guess I'm looking at it like because I would feel I'd feel like just like guys like you are the anomaly in the younger, like the guys that make it quicker and just probably don't have the type of issues adapting that I, I'm thinking about. I would assume I don't know. Those I mean, the uh, sheltered there, there are, 20 year chiefs are probably anomalies, too. But there, I'm thinking there are, like there are communities within the Navy that that need people sooner. 
Yeah. You know, that that, that their, their technical aspects are matured at a higher rate than yeah. people in other ratings. Like it, uh, not to dog on Boston Meats. Boston Meats is like their their rating is is a lifestyle rating. Like you you will take being a Boston Mate for probably a twenty five year career and still not have a lot of it down. Right. Because there there is just so much to learn about being yeah. you know that rating. And it's so steeped in tradition that the people will, you know, really glob onto that. Where there are other technical ratings where the scope, but the intensity, the scope is smaller, but the intensity of it is so high that they could be a freaking high tone, you know, high tone technician in that rating very quickly, and then they're they're operating at a high level. Right, and I guess. So yeah. like, are we a mile I mean, wide I, and an I, inch deep or, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't entirely disagree with everything that you're saying. It's just, I find that. So like it, you're, you're talking like community to community. We're talking about the specifics to that community. But so like, if I have a nuclear train chief that, that goes through faster because of the, all the things you just described, but then I have to, I have to expect all the same thing, a lot of the same things outside of the technical realm from that chief that I do from a chief from another community that took 15 years to make it. And so do yeah, they have the experience with all of the institutional expertise that they need I, to be successful as a chief? I think it's, those are, you're trying to measure immeasurables that there are certain things that are intangible to our testing and evaluation processes of how we assess and select chief yeah. pay officers that will never find its way onto a, examination or scantron sheet that like a good example like um what what do you do if a sailor dies i mean you know do you, do you like the process of that yeah of, okay. of a sailor dying you know that's not something a lot of people are very familiar with yeah but if you know if you're a keiko or you know yeah. you've had that you experience know, you, know that you, you were assigned that role you know what to do you, you right. are you are that casualty person where, or, or like, you know, I got this guy who's doing a TAD and it exceeds 30 days. So now he has to sell partial payments and navigating DTS and all of its intricacies. Do I need to pull in the yeoman to teach me how to do this? Or do I already know this? Cause I experienced this at a certain phase in my career. Right. So I know how to, how to handle this specific situation because I had the experience in this situation. Does that mean I need to be at 12 years to have had that experience or did I learn that my first year in the Navy? Yeah. And now now I'm coming back to it. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, the, the bell, the bellwether of, of a good chief is someone that's going to try to continually increase their knowledge at every facet. Yeah. And that we don't just, you know, I don't know if there has been ever a, a selectee that walked into initiation that after the first meeting, everyone's like, Hey, this is just a formality for this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of selectees (laughs) that it was like, not that it's a formality, but it's like, they're going to do well. Like they're going to take to this really well. But then, but now you get six weeks to develop. Yeah. Yep. Further. So imagine how much sharper can you, you hone that edge. Right. You know? Yeah. You get a guy that comes in like, okay, great example. You go into initiation, probably the first time they started asking you heritage questions, you probably blew them fuck away. (laughs) <laughs> right i mean some and of then, them yeah and then the rest of your classmates the rest of your brothers and sisters were looking at you like hey shut up man like <laughs> they're gonna expect that we i honestly yeah i too. honestly was probably better at um 
the institutional stuff, like the dork, like I'm the oh, dork yeah. that's always they, in the they, instruction they, with a highlighter. So like I, I or, probably, or, yeah. or they asked you, you know, who was the first female chief? And you said Loretta Perfectus yeah. Walsh. And everyone said, <laughs> oh, this, this guy. Oh, this no. is the, okay. You're not allowed oh, to knew, talk anymore. <laughs> he's, he's a middle name guy. He knows perfect. Yeah. He knows that, you yeah. know, that's the best part by the of way, the name. Perfect. Great, great episode, by the way. Nice. Um, but that is, that's what I'm talking about. You have those kind of people or you have like the instruction nerds that like come in and they're like, actually, that's, that's op nav. And that's not, that's not a nav admin. That's, that's a, this and this. And you're like, oh, great. instruction, blah, 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 blah. Oof. You need those people though. Yep. It takes, it takes every freaking person in that mess to make, make the Navy work. So yeah, <sighs> we got kind of really far afield, but those are the, yeah. those are the things I can see <laughs> instituting. Also, the other thing that I think should be instituted is you should allow the E6s that were non-selected to come and be at the training events, except for final night. Yeah, I definitely think that they should be more involved. Um, I, and I don't, I think there's some changes that need to happen to parts of the six week training cycle so that they could be more involved. But yeah, I, I definitely, cause there, I guess it's a balance is what I'm saying. Like, so, so there, are, there's a, a part, it's like, it's like if your kid has a birthday party and everybody gets presents, it's like these guys, these guys and gals were selected to chief. Uh, and so there's parts of it and final night, obviously being probably the largest part, but there's parts of it that I think should be exclusive to those selectees. But I do think there's a lot of value in, especially those first classes, but even like junior sailors, like I, I continually use the example of, uh, cause it just, cause it's burned into my memory. Cause I was there is, is when I did my final night, uh, we did our charge book signing with the CO. It was like an event. We were doing this marching around base and running around and doing all these events. And in, in midday on the first day, we did a charge book signing with our COs. And so we're all in NWs. And there's this big turtle back of a submarine of a BN. It's called the Turret Park uh, in Bangor, Washington. And uh, there's they do a lot of like ceremonies or and stuff out there. It's it's a pretty cool venue where like the turtlebacks a bunch of bricks that people bought and it, like put names on as like memorials and stuff. So the COs are and the CMCs are all standing like by command on the turtleback of the submarine. There's like 20 commands there, and then all the selectees from each command are lined up in front of their CO, and one at a time we would step up, present our charge book, and and you know get some wisdom dropped on us and get our signature. And we did it all just out in the open like that huge gathering, like a bunch of people around. And and so sailors just stopped what they were doing and started to gather around and see what was going on. And I thought it was really, really cool that we did it that way and that we allowed it to like be viewed by the public because you saw those sailors stopping and like, what's going on over there? And like, you could see it on their face. Like, this is really cool. Like, what are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. And so they were asking questions and some of the region CMCs or just some chiefs that were milling about were, were, they were explaining it to them. Like, this is what's happening and telling them like, yeah, it was, they didn't, they they weren't like hey kick rocks nerd. No, Uh, they were actually taking the time. Yeah. It was so cool, man. And I like I that's burned into my memory as like a really significant of example of a lot of this stuff can be viewed by the public and like should be viewed by the public because there's so many yeah. benefits there. Like and it's, you air it's still, out. Yeah, you're still you're still preserving the tradition of it. It's yeah. still but it's removing the this I'm gonna say stigma. Yeah, because- you're creating transparency and getting these sailors excited about it at the same time. Like it's so cool. Like I, and do I you, think we can do, do so much you, more of that. 
have you disclosed the contents of your vessel to some of your junior sailors? Um, I think so. So in the same instance, you're talking about like, okay, bringing like some old fish on or you're bringing in heritage items and stuff. I have, I have heritage items in my vessel. So like I have yeah. my, I have my Liberty cuffs in my vessel. I have mm-hmm. challenge coins in my vessel. I have my spoon yeah. from initiation in my vessel. Yeah. And like I show them my book and I'm like, this is it. Like, let's, let's take the mask yeah. off of this. Oh, yeah. like it's not the Necronomicon. <laughs> like it's not, it's not like some freaking esoteric book of spells where I'm going to open up. Yeah. A, I want to say a portal. I've, I've done it with like first classes that were eligible. I don't know yeah. if I've sat with like a junior, like a, one of my division sailors and done it, but it's possible. I like, cause I'm that kind of guy like where it's, yeah, I would, if it was in the office and like my CS2 was like, you know, Hey senior, what's that? I would just oh, sit down, close the door. Like I, I, it's possible. I don't remember explicitly, but yeah, I mean, I got all, I update it consistently. So like I have, um, usually before each season, I'll, I'll have like a bunch of crap that I've thrown in my vessel that I need to like put in my book somewhere or like there's parts that I've like added to the inside of the vessel and stuff like that. But yeah. And I, um, I bring mine to initiation. Oh yeah. All, I Today, 100%. Like even, even still. And like, yep. I, I'm alone in bringing mine. Not really? a lot of genuines are bringing theirs. But I think, you know, as, as I move forward, it's sort of, uh, I feel like through peer pressure, I'll be able to, good, yeah, good peer pressure, so. I'll be able to get them I, to bring I hope theirs. So, because I, I don't think a lot of people, I think a lot of people put it on a shelf and it collects dust. And I, I hate that because every year before the season, I pull it down off because it's on a shelf right next to that combo cover I was talking about. And it's like, yeah. I pull it down and I update it. And as I'm updating it, I get to go through it and see all those things, man. And I got like, a bunch of crap from the podcast in there where sailors have reached out and thanked me for whatever I like helping or the message or whatever. I have a lot of my prior a school students sending me like Facebook messages talking, like saying things about me as a leader that like I would never think of myself, but like they, I did something of value to them and they, it was like a thank you or just recognition of some kind that it's like, that's the stuff that means something to me. I have this card uh, there was a, an A school student that um, she got orders to Norfolk and she's from San Diego. And so like you like any A school student that wants to go home and like has a meltdown as a result. But m- this chief that was her instructor, uh, she was a, a selectee that I sponsored. And so then she was one of my chiefs and she comes into my office when I'm the SEL and is like, hey, we got, I got this problem with this the sailor. She got orders to Norfolk uh, and I think she needs to go to San Diego. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a problem. That sounds like somebody's upset. They're not going to the Sunshine State uh, or whatever California. That's, I think that's Florida, whatever California is. And so but then she's like, no, look, like she she like state. started blubbering, like fell apart. And and it was because she's saying her mom has cancer and it's terminal. She's got about six months and that's what she wants to be close to home until that's over. Yeah. And now's your, now's uh, your time to shine. You better make yeah. it happen. And so I, I was like, look, I need you to walk out of this office and go vet this without being insensitive to the extent that you can. And when you have a warm fuzzy that she's not hustling you, then come back and tell me and I will start doing what I need to do to make this happen. She came back like two hours later. She's like, this is legit. And I'm like, all right. And so I picked up the phones, called the people, did the thing. And 
Um, and we got her to San Diego and I have a thank you card from her that got left. I never even got to talk to her. There was just this card on my desk and I opened it that's, up, man. And it was, that's awesome, I, just, dude. I yeah. feel like a lot of sailors think that that kind of stuff ends up in the trash and it's like, no, we hang I, on to that. It's stuff. in like, my charge book. Yeah. It's yeah. in my charge book. And every time I see it, I, I get borderline emotional because it's just like, like I got so to I, do that. You know what I mean? Like it was I have so a, cool. I have a unique thing in my charge book. I have a guy that signed my charge book who got kicked out of the Navy. I have his Navy Times article on his page. <laughs> and really uh, that's interesting. I was flipping through it and I like I have to I have to obviously stop by it every time and go, oh, this is a good this is a good reminder of like what not to do. <laughs> yeah. And I use that as like a teachable thing. Like look at look at what the because it's it's perfect. I get both sides of this the coin. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. what he wrote in my book. That's cool. And then I get the yeah. article. Of like yeah. how he went against all the same everything stuff that he, he said. Just, yeah, <laughs> he totally did wow. not live up to anything that he wrote. And I'm like, that's a, such a great, uh, yeah, it's tragic. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's a piece that if if we could if you do it right, and you we could teach that piece of the heritage that doesn't have to be a secret piece of heritage. Yeah, you know? and I and there I there feel, are genuines that I know that are like, no, you can't, you can't show it. Their eyeballs will but why? bleed. You know, it'll be like it'll yeah. be like in right. Indiana Jones, like the ark opens and everyone freaking melts. Right, you know? like that's no, that's definitely one of that's definitely one of the things where I'm like, but why? Like, but yeah. why? Like, because there there are. There are things like I, I don't think they should witness me getting a like. So if I'm if I'm CSSC select, right. And I'm sitting down with you and you're giving me a charge book entry like that's a private moment because those things a lot of times, especially if you're doing it with a mentor or you're doing it with somebody that like is important to you or maybe you're just doing it with a chief that is speaking to you in that moment about a thing that is hitting home. It's like that can get really vulnerable and emotional sometimes. And it's like yeah. so those, t- those are the th- I, I tell like one or two stories where I had times in the Navy where a chief like really bailed me out. Yeah. I, I don't really generally like to broadcast those stories. Right to to the to the everybody to the every man because yeah. it it really is like yeah like you're saying like a vulnerable moment um, and if if everyone knows that story about me it kind of loses its effectiveness as well true it's, it's a good like yeah. teachable story so like yeah I agree yeah. that there are times where especially depending on the selectee too like if it's a selectee right, you really right. just genuinely don't know eh, yeah you know you could you could probably yeah, do that charge could, and- somewhere with a little bit of traffic around. But if it's yeah. someone you really put a lot into, like your specific one that you're sponsoring, yeah. oh yeah, no, you're you're doing that one privately, <laughs> in private, yeah. privately. And I think it's, yeah, it's going to be more than just night, what's written down. Yeah, like final night acceptance and certain other event, like most of final night, I, because there's an opportunity kind of all the time for stuff like that to happen, depending on the event. I think a lot of that should be private. Like I, I don't think we can't talk about what happens, but I don't think there should be an audience when it does. Um, Stuff, but there's a lot. Oh, like ninety percent of what we do during the six weeks, I feel like, um, could be public. Like you could put some first classes in the back room and say, you know, like seen but not heard before we start, and then do select each training. Again, it depends on what you're doing because you could catch a moment that they don't need to be in there for. Um, because I mean, I've had moments like we had uh, one of my buddies is a he's an EDMC and. We were in a just a normal selectee training and they, you know, weren't getting it, didn't accomplish something. But I and I forget what exactly there was a situation that came up that the CDMC brought up a situation where a sailor got killed for not 
you know, like he, he didn't follow a procedure or some somebody else did something unsafe and it got this kid killed. And he's constantly, you know, questioning what he could have done and all. And so it's like it gets emotional. Like it, he he put that sailor in a position to feel like raw and exposed because he's like telling him this really emotional and, and raw story. And like you could that, have done something that put a sailor that, at risk by not listening. And, to me, that ties to the uh, instruction that we receive every year that says that the, you will not be embarrassed publicly. Right. And, right. That, you know, you're, you will you're not be witnessed by like these. There is a reason why there are certain things that are supposed to be They're done are private, in a yeah. secured classroom. Yep. But I think what what we're talking about doing where you allow more E6s to be there that are maybe not selected E6s or, you know, let's just say maybe ju- maybe some junior officers to be there, too. Yeah, that might not sure. be the worst thing either, because yeah. leadership lessons are very important, and we're, we're talking about yeah. developing a future future organization because we're, we're planting trees we're never going to see. So, um, if we start doing that, it's going to increase the accountability as well because yeah, you get you get some freaking chest thumping dude that that this is his chance of the year to be the jock when he's always been the nerd. And he gets to talk down to all these selectees because he's a genuine chief. And it's like, okay, but what if there's an outside person watching? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you gonna, are what, you still going to be that, that a-hole? Uh, and I think not. you, you gain a lot of, in addition to like, yeah, everybody's going to act like they normally would instead of acting like an idiot when they think that no one's looking or whatever, uh, whatever, whatever prompts a guy to act like that. I don't know. But then, like, I think you you could gain a lot of, like, cohesion just by, like, involving the JOs, um, involving some junior people, like, seconds and firsts, like, that, where a lot of the stuff that makes these adversarial viewpoints and relationships happen, it's be, it's just caused by, like, unknowns that, that are then, like, that gap is then plugged by the sailor's imagination. And so... Uh, if, oh yeah, if, you, if, if you're you showing, there, yeah, it's like a DRB, right? Like, yeah. okay, the doors closed on the DRB. That's the crew is only going to hear through scuttlebutt what occurred yeah. during that DRB, yeah. and it's most likely going to come from either the sailor that was now disgruntled because they just got disciplined, or they're going to imagine what happened, and it, their imagination can run wild. Right. I can tell you, right. like we've talked about DRBs before. Like, yeah. I don't know why there has to be 16 chiefs at your DRB. I, I don't right. know why that it does not need to happen. And a DRB does not need to be a shouting match. It's, it's literally re- a disciplinary review board. We're reviewing your discipline actions. What, what, what brought you to it in front of us is because there was a deficiency. And now let's, let's get to the root cause of it to see if this needs to go further. And if it doesn't, and we've, we've made a decision that we're going to recommend to the CEO, this, this can be handled at the lowest level possible. Yeah. We're just we're not going to recommend captain's mask that the discipline can be enforced there and we can move forward. Right. But the crew is going to be like, oh, my God, they ripped his head off and they, they were telling yeah. him he was yeah. this. And you're like, wow, dude, this is like not at all what we were here for. We're just trying to get to the, the cause of what like we're just here to talk about the PIO and then. OK, what what can we do to fix this in the future so this doesn't happen? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm obviously still, there may be some punitive stuff that comes out of that, and no one wants to. For you sure. don't go to a DRB because you did such a great job, but <laughs> you know, it's, but sometimes it's that, like how I, else are you going to enforce discipline? Yeah, in 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 asking the question and and digging to the answer of why are they here in the first place? A lot like there's times where stuff comes up, and you're like, okay, so 
leadership failed to interject at this point, or you weren't properly trained or qualified, or you like, there's a lot of things that can come up during the discovery. Like in that, I would, I would say in the majority of the DRBs I've been in before the person even enters the room, they have that person's chief there and they're getting grilled before like what happened that this sailor did this and why is this not your fault? Because I can tell you it's probably your fault. Oh yeah, you know, for sure. Because of mismanagement, or you know, and we'll talk about this after we after we uncover the facts. And then I've seen the DRB literally shift focus from the from the subject, and they dismiss them rapidly. And then now it's like chief. Yeah, you stand now the here? chief's getting soul slain. Yeah, once you uh, once you hop up front <laughs> and center, and then the CMC just reaming this chief in front of the rest of the chiefs. Yeah, and it was it was kind of funny because there was an LN one who was like the legal like signing the and like. They forgot to dismiss the Ellen one, so this, oh, this first class got to see this this chief just get dressed down. Yeah, and it was like, well, I think Oops. you just uh, I think Don't maybe tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe you could tell the rest of the crew <laughs> this is what happened. Yeah, and, and uh, that ha- that does happen, and it's like it's a lot of I. And I feel like you get like in trying to explain it when, it, especially when it's coming from me, like I feel like you get you'd get way more mileage out of that Ellen one telling everybody, but even though that's kind of inappropriate that she was in there, but the, um, I, I tell people don't, a lot. Don't assume, don't assume it was a female. It was a man. I thought you said it was a, she, uh, I thought you no, said it was, it was a she, my bad. I'm a bad person. No. So the, uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a bad person. Oh, we'll, we'll they, review uh, the tape. And then I did. I say swear she, to I'm God, like, you it. said it was a she. Yeah. I, I'll have to rewind. Um, but the, the, um, the, so like the, Ellen one telling everybody uh, if he if it was a he we don't know um, <laughs> who knows w- runs around and tells everybody it's probably going to go a lot further than like I when I have conversations with sailors and listeners of the podcast when they're asking like well why don't chiefs ever get held accountable it's like well, they do get held accountable a lot of times and I've told a lot of stories about me destroying chiefs in the chiefs mess and it's not like you're not going to know it's happening like all not always there's been a time like there was once or twice where I I was destroying a guy to the flavor of there's no way that anybody in the forward half of the submarine didn't hear me doing it. But um, yeah, I just think that, that the that perceived inequity from the crew, yeah. that they're they're yeah. not seeing the, the fallout. They're not. Well, how about this? They're not seeing that eval that literally sure. just dis- that just destroyed sure. this person's career for the next five years yeah. because and they or the no, LOI no seer chief LOR, board. Yeah. yeah. No LOI yeah. or, you know, a, uh, letter admonition like there that that selection board will never select this person we've effectively ended their career because they're gonna look at that eval and go right up like radioactive like right off the top of the pile just okay but it's like i also think too though that like i'm a big proponent of because you you say that like oh they're never gonna get promoted again and and seaman timmy's like yeah well i got demoted when i did it and it set me back five years so how is that fair still and so i'm a big proponent of like look it maybe it's got to happen at the commodore level or something but i think that we should be able to get busted down i think that we can't i mean i have seen if it's i have seen lose their anchors you know sure well like usually they're frocked chiefs that go to njp or or like there's or they do something so crazy that it's on the cover of the Navy Times and they're at court martial. But there's not a lot of in between where like a, a sailor, like a, a chief does something that an E5 would go to captain's mass for. But because they're a chief, I would expect even more out of them. Right. Like I had a he's a buddy of mine. He's a great dude. I would lay down in traffic for this guy, but he violated his integrity as a senior chief. 
uh, like lied to the commanding officer about where they were at in a procedure and the lineup of the system kind of thing. And then immediately told, like immediately went and said, I like, I, I don't know why I did that. Like I, that's not true. We're actually here because it was like, they were just getting kicked in the teeth. They had a bunch of procedural violations. And when asked the question, it like reminded him that he hadn't done that thing yet. And so he was basically yeah. going to tell a little white lie and then go fix it. But then he's the type of human that immediately, like after he did that to, cause he, in his mind and in the sleep deprived state he was in decided he's like, I just, I can't take another kick in the face. He said that. And then he was like, that was a mistake. And he went and, and tried to rectify it the only way he could at that point. So he went to captain's mass that happened. Everybody knew he went to captain's mass, but like an E five probably would have been an E four. So like, and, and I want to say he was a frock senior chief. So it's like, shouldn't he have been a, a chief after that? You know, like, you know, because we have such we, supposedly we, there's a higher bar when you're at that level of leadership that like I shouldn't have to tell a chief that you can't violate your integrity and lie about anything like you just that's not what we do. It's built into our core values, letting not to not to mention all the things we train in the chiefs along the way. So um, I don't know. I'm a big I'm a big proponent of like, look, if I if I do something that that's mast worthy, like maybe it needs to go to the Commodore level so that everybody doesn't freak out because whatever I like, I don't even know how I feel about NJP authority in the, in the, in the iteration it is now resting at the, at the CO level. Um, but I digress, you know, like, but I think that chiefs should be able to lose rank easier, like significant. I think it would help a lot if a guy, especially like so that the chiefs that are like seven seconds from retirement and put the roller skates on because nothing can happen or it doesn't matter how crappy my performance is. Like I'm still retiring as a chief or a senior chief or whatever. I've interacted with a lot of sailors via the podcast platform, like that are at commands where there's a lot of those types that are like, they just came there to retire. And so they don't have quality leadership and those sailors aren't about to retire. Those sailors are eight year first classes. And so it's like, they have to deal with this. And so now they're shouldering the burden of this chief. That's like drinking coffee and going home at 10 AM because who cares? Like they don't care what their evals say because they're retiring at the same pay grade regardless. So um, I think the risk, if there was a risk, like if there was that, that anvil dangling over their head of, Hey, you could lose that star before you retire for, incredibly sun substandard performance or neglect or whatever, then maybe, yeah. you know, I think the, the main such an issue, the main theme of that entire part that you just put out was about accountability for sure. Ma- main, but maintaining like the things like that chief chiefs wear t-shirts. Yeah. The way the things that chiefs make t-shirts for are like maintaining the standards, you know, yeah. like, no excuses. And it's like, yeah. well, I, no excuses looks really cool on a t-shirt, you know, like re- results, not excuses. And yeah. It's like some crappy pirate skull yeah. of a cheese hat. And I'm like, Oh God, that's so stupid. Please yeah. do not make me wear this t-shirt. Um, but in all reality, like, okay, excuses are actually just mitigating circumstances and reality bites. So just tell me what happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not an excuse. It's an explanation of the actual relevant effect, you know, factors that came to the, conclusion of this situation so it's not an excuse just just let me know you know <laughs> now if i see that you're intentionally trying to weasel out of it then that's not being accountable to your own stuff so yeah. that's an excuse i think that's more what they're getting at but we've lost a lot of those uh 
definitions because we're using these little token phrases or these little uh, yeah. fortune cookie kind of looks really cool on a t-shirt stuff. Right. So, but I, th- I just, yeah, I think like for the junior sailor trust issue, you, you would gain a lot back by saying, and then, and then acting upon once the mechanisms in place, like saying that, you know, chiefs can lose rank. Like if a chief gets a DUI and they're a paid senior chief at 18 years, they're retiring as a chief. That would hurt. Yeah, I just, I feel like that it should be something we should do better than. I mean, it, it, it works in every other military. Why is yeah. the Navy special? Yeah. I'm like, it should, it should be better than an LOI or an LOR. Cause I've, I've definitely work. seen, I've definitely seen master sergeants get bumped down to sergeant first class in the army. Yeah. Yeah. Totally seen. And it. I 100% think that that should be a thing. Um, yeah. I take, don't take like, stripes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So anything else on the initiation front? I feel like we captured most of it, but it's also yeah, one of those I things mean, I feel like I could talk about forever. There. Yeah. And we, we do every <laughs> year, but um, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's wholly unique only in that the Navy tries to promote all of their E7s at the exact same time across the mm-hmm. entire service. Yeah. I feel like, you know, maybe we should shift to not just once a year, you know, that, yeah, that's another that idea would, and, that I have. That is interesting too. Cause I know that like, instead of frocking, they wait till payday. It's in other services and then they do like individual it, frocking is a wholly Navy, Navy tradition. Thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Coast Guard too, but Navy sea yeah, services. I've, I remember my brother's my in the Air got, Force. You yeah. know, he, he's he's a when he picked up E six, he was a tech sergeant select. Mm-hmm. So he was not addressed as tech sergeant. He was not paid as tech sergeant. He was right. staff sergeant until the day his line number came up, and then he yep. you know he walked out of there on Friday as staff sergeant and walked in on Monday as tech sergeant. And then now they assume the uniform and the title, and that's that's the day they get paid. Yeah, and that, only yeah, in the I Navy remember. will they let you. Walk around like you're <laughs> your, your big boy wearing your new stripes and your new uniform and your new title, but you're not getting paid for it. And if you screw up yeah. in this intervening period, we'll just knock you right back down. To the to the pay grade before you got frocked. Yeah. Like, like yeah. not just the one that you're getting paid for, the one below that. Yeah. Yeah, it's super weird because, I yeah, I do. Not, I, like, I hadn't really thought about it I, recently anyway. But, yeah, I remember a lot of my friends in the Army were getting promoted and they, their promotion ceremonies were just kind of like all over the place. And I'd end up showing up to those and it's just like, and it was only them and they did their own. So like my, my friend uh, got promoted to master sergeant in the army and it was just like, it was just her. And that was a, and like, you know, obviously guests mm-hmm. and stuff, but she was the only one getting promoted. Um, yeah. It's just like a you know classic uh, Navy thing to only have two tests a year and then one test for chief and that's it. Yeah. And I wish too that like it, it, like that could only be possible if we did leadership development and education really well year round and like <laughs> addressed all of the things at like, like milestones. I mean, however you wanted to do it, like where if they, if we stick to the current model and they actually certify a bunch of facilitators and these courses actually get off all the endlet courses actually get off the ground. Yeah. Um, I think it was the one, two punch of, uh, they tried to roll out a program quickly and then coronavirus hit too. So yeah, it was like, bang, bang. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, th- we definitely fumbled the ball rolling it out first and then the recovery efforts, which were ongoing, got shut off by Corona. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's well, depressing. I'm, I'm, but- see, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm applying to senior list academy. So I'm going to try to go next oh, year yeah. as, as, as a chief. So, 
Um, I'm interested to see the friends I have going now are all doing it all electronically. So hopefully that's not the case because I, you get a lot more out of it in residence. I think doing the three weeks or whatever. Yeah, from what I've seen, uh, it's like it's like recently updated. They're still doing three weeks in residence. So. Mm. You yeah. do like three weeks on Blackboard and then three weeks in Newport. So yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if maybe they're only doing like half the class. Like if you're local to the area, like not terribly far away from Newport, but uh. right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it, dude, I loved it. I there was a lot of guys that were not open to learning anything while they were there. They were just checking a box because they had to to make mastery for whatever. But I heard a lot of that crap while I was there but I mean it wasn't like it wasn't everybody but it, I would say it was even a minority maybe like 30 percent 40 percent like I there's a lot of people that were there and were very open-minded and wanted to learn and I had a lot of fun like because there's the curriculum's great but then and it's all ever evolving so I'm sure it's even better than when I was there but then they do these lectures of opportunity after the normal day stuff so like around 1700 uh, 1800, they'll have these guys down in leadership hall, uh, where they do like the whole class lectures instead of your small groups. And there's a lot of really cool, uh, lectures too, that the, I mean, you would enjoy all of them. Like that it's, it's cool. They bring these outside speakers in and, uh, well, I'd be interested to see like really more cool of stuff. a model of how they're training these chiefs and senior chiefs to accept more responsibility at a later stage. What would it be if we created like a lead petty officers course where it was like a sin yeah. certified course? And yep. it's not an NEC, like it's not a C school, but you would have that completion of like, okay, I'm ready to become a leading petty officer and where we're actually teaching people how to write evals and how these different yeah. systems mm-hmm. will allow people to manage their careers more effectively and that you're getting that piece sooner. So when, yeah. when you put on your khakis, it's not like this, like, it's a, yep. haha, I have all this hidden knowledge <laughs> that I'm going to hold from you so that when now yeah. when it's time to become a leader, now I get to dump it right. on you in these six weeks. And then your yeah. first year as a boot chief, you know, you're just like, ah, I don't destroyed. know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And that's it like what it I shouldn't mean come as a shock it. is what I'm getting it's, at. Yeah. It should all be programmed in along the way so that the, any initiation stuff that we do, it's just a finishing school and a team building activity. It's not. Yeah. I would it's much not, rather I'm, be yeah. that little frog in a pot where the water's slowly boiling instead of like just being lopped right into this scalding cauldron yeah. and just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I feel like that's the move and I hope we get there eventually. And I know that's kind of what they're trying to accomplish with all the Inlook stuff. It's just, they got to get that stuff off the ground, but yeah, yeah man, well, save rounds, save rounds or alibis. Um, nah, it's just super fun. Yeah, I mean, always out, talking. <laughs> it's been a minute, so it's it's always good. I'm I'm having fun. Like, it feels like I'm kind of like catching up with everybody that I talk to because I was like down for so long. But yeah, yeah I try man. to hit you up every now and again just to. No, I know you check okay. on me more than anybody. I actually, so when I told you, <laughs> I, we'll talk about that part offline. But yeah, you checked on me more than a lot of people. Did. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I appreciate it, man. It's always good talking to you. All right, here you go. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, like, I, I, it's always fun to talk to Nick. I, I just love talking to chiefs and sailors and whatever. If that's not painfully obvious by the fact that I spend a lion's share of my free time uh, working on this podcast, uh, it, I love having those conversations. Um, I'm really excited that we got to do it again, and uh, you'll see a lot more stuff coming as well of this nature. I'm working on a project with a lot of really cool people. Uh, that will appear in print. And that's all I'm going to tell you right now. Eventually, (laughs) Um, it's going to take a while, but 
uh, that we're working on that. I'm working on other stuff just for the podcast specific. Like, uh, there's an, there's an ebook slash audio book coming before I die. I like, it's, it's been a very rough draft developmental phase of, of whatever right now it's, it's crawling. Um, but it's something I'm working on. I, I want to get more stuff out there. I want to get more mediums to communicate things. Uh, and, and especially like the lessons I've learned just by talking to all the awesome people like Nick, uh, on the podcast. So, um, I'm, I'm developing as a leader, as a result of these conversations. And it's really cool for me. And it, it's, I love that a lot of it is not, it's like junior sailors doing it. Right. Uh, I mean, you could even like EODC, right? Like young chief in the Navy teaching me all kinds of awesome things. Uh, having sailors on like, uh, like Megan Wilcoxon from Scuttlebutt, like a junior sailor that separated from the Navy and is now doing this awesome project. And just, I'm learning a lot by just having these discussions. And a lot of it is coming from junior people, uh, junior to me anyway, like as far as like just time in the Navy and, and rank and experience and whatever, but they just such wildly varying experiences and perspectives and contexts that it's like, you can't help, but learn people, learn things from these, these awesome people. Uh, so it's really cool. Um, if you could like share, subscribe, review on all the platforms and the things and the social medias and whatever, uh, it helps us get the word out. So the more you, you all are willing to, uh, use the platforms that you have to share and like, and take the time to review and, and all the, all that stuff, it helps uh, with the algorithmic, uh, sharing and, and such. So I'm sure that made some kind of sense to somebody. And then, uh, as always, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast. Or you can DM us on Instagram or Reddit or get on the sub DGS podcast at DGS podcast, uh, you and our DGS podcast, whatever on Reddit. And, and you can DM us, you can get on the sub and, and have discussions. You'll see us active on our Navy and, and our military and our new to the Navy and all the, all the ones that you would think uh, you'll see the episodes posted there. Um, I need to get better about posting the spin the yarns there, but the episodes are always posted there and uh, I'm as active as I, as my bandwidth will currently allow. And I'm trying to be more active uh, in just other discussions besides the podcast stuff. But uh, you'll see us on there. Hit it, like hit us up, reach out, give us feedback, have the conversations, tell me I'm an idiot. It's all fair. Uh, and I will accept all of it. Uh, I've been destroyed uh, via Reddit and other mechanisms for feedback. And then, I'm just, you can ask questions, ask for help, whatever. We're always here. Uh, so hit us up if you need anything. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs>